Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Brutally Honest Podcast. I'm your host, Harrison Barron, and thank you guys so much. Appreciate you guys toughing it out for that month-long break that I took. I had some construction going on in the studio and stuff like that, uh, and was quite swamped with work and a million other things, but I am back on the horse with the podcast. I have a bunch of new stuff coming out. I'm really excited. Uh, I think I've started to figure out YouTube. Uh, I know I've said this a bunch of times, but uh, between everything that I have now, I have a friend of mine who's going to be helping me, uh, you know, fix the audio, at least for YouTube, so that way it's uh, as good as we can possibly get it, right? That's my goal, is to get it as good as we can possibly get it. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you guys so much for tuning around, and you guys have obviously been telling your friends about it because you guys have been growing this thing nonstop, religiously, and I appreciate the heck out of that, so thank you guys for really doing, you know, just sharing it out with people. Even though I ask you guys to, you guys don't really have to do that, but I thank you. So, I appreciate that. As always, BrutallyHonestPodcast.com. That's where you can find all the stuff. Uh, Instagram, BrutallyHonestPodcast.com. I can't speak. And then if you guys want to follow me, Harrison underscore Baron. And also, if you want to support the podcast with a small monetary donation, you can go to Patreon.com forward slash BrutallyHonestPodcast. And that's it, guys. No sponsors right now. Uh, haven't really been looking for sponsors. Just been super, super busy. I mean, technically, my company's a sponsor, so if you want to go check it out, BaronMediaGroup.com. But other than that, heck. That's it. We're just going to jump right in the show. My guest today is my friend, Liron. He is a serial entrepreneur, absolutely brilliant in the digital uh, VR and AR space, virtual reality and augmented reality. If you guys don't know what that is, I highly suggest looking it up so you can kind of get an idea of what we're talking about, but it's incredible, absolutely incredible what he talks about. Definitely recommend this one, especially if you're an entrepreneur. This is just loaded with information. And I had to move the entire studio in New York City, so it was a little rough. The room wasn't exactly built for the best acoustics um, for the show. But otherwise, uh, the quality of the content is there. And I hope you guys enjoy this one as much as I did. I will see you guys in the show. Cool, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me at your place. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for having me on your uh, podcast. Hey, I no problem. It. It's the uh, look. It's the least I could do. I know you're a busy guy, and and you just came back from a pretty cool trip. So uh, I got to give you credit for that one. Um, how was Finland? Finland is beautiful, uh, and it's kind of insane because uh, I was pretty up north, so they have daylight all day long. Oh, really? Yeah, which is uh, it's it kind of plays with your mind. Sure. So I haven't seen darkness for. 12 days until I got back to JFK. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Two days ago. That's wild. What, uh, and just purely vacation? Yeah, it's kind of hiking and just seeing kind of amazing uh, views out there, kind of forests and lakes and uh, sure. just kind of walking and fresh air. Very cool. Very cool. The Now, why Finland as opposed to anywhere else? Just kind of, my wife kind of uh, wanted to go and uh, <laughs> as you do, you do what wives tell you to do. <laughs> Just listen, it'll always be... Was it a good time, though? Yeah, it was fun. All right, so there you go. We had a good time, kind of, we did kind of got to see the country. It's, sure. It's pretty beautiful. Sure. The, um, no, it's good, that's good. The, uh, you know, I think a lot of people don't take the time to travel, which is not ever good, I would say. Uh, I've, I try to do the, the opposite, kind of, if I didn't have... Always? Work, I would be traveling constantly. Fair enough, fair uh, enough. I've been all over the place. So, so 
Uh, I, guess, I guess before we get too much into Finland here, I guess tell people what you do because I think what you do is extremely unique to compared to what most people do. So I'm the founder and CEO of the Glimpse Group, which okay. is a uh, a unique unique uh, virtual reality and augmented reality company. We're a uh, platform company. We have ten subsidiaries, ten companies that are part of Glimpse Group, each okay. focusing on their own business. So sure. In a sense, they're startups on their own. That sure. Are, uh, part of Glimpse, so Glimpse owns and operates them, but the entrepreneurs are running their business, just sure. getting the synergies of being part of our ecosystem. Very cool. Uh, so it's very, very unique and different model, and uh, lots of fun. Sure. How many employees altogether? So we're probably in the kind of forty to fifty range at this point. Oh wow! For all the companies, For all the companies together. Love it. Now, what uh, I guess is everything custom code. Like, how'd you get into that? Because that's super unique. Well, kind of, it started kind of. So there's two different parts. There's kind of how did I get into VR and AR, sure. and why did I get into this model? So sure. Start with VR and AR. So uh, I've been following the technology over the years, going back to kind of Star Trek, all deck, and kind of sure. trying to dream where yeah. well that would be a reality and would that be cool? And about I guess three and a half years ago, I came to realization just after kind of uh, Oculus had their first kind of DK one sure. that this industry is happening for real this time. There's oh. been multiple <laughs> times. There's been multiple times people were trying to do it. Sure. And they got pretty advanced, definitely in the '90s, early 2000s. Mm. But the technology was not there in terms of screen resolution. Was yeah, not there. You gotta so keep up. They with had it. caves. There's no graphics cards that can sure. handle this volume. So you. Could could build VR, but you had to build it in a lab. It would cost six figures to build something sure. good, sure. and you couldn't really kind of get any adoption. Oh. And this time, technology has evolved to the point where you could. Yeah. And when that came out, I kind of thought that this is the next big tech cycle. Sure. And then I kind it's of said, guess. "Well, uh, kind of, it's still a guess, but uh, <laughs> so far it's been proven, proving itself to kind of work out." So I'm not complaining, but uh, as you look at tech cycles, the previous one started, uh, the, and tech cycles are usually 25, 30 years. Okay. And the previous one started in the kind of early 80s, and it was uh, PC, mobile, and internet. Okay. So those are the three legs of that. Story. Sure. And so it started out, it was technology, you had some kind of uh, very early adopters playing around with it, kind sure. of five, 10 years later, started to have corporations mess around with it, and then kind of 15 years in, you start getting real mass adoption. Sure. And you look at kind of the first cell phone for commercial use came out in 1983. Sure. Took nine years for kind of even 10 million handsets in the US. Yeah. And then kind of basically a few years later, kind of everybody has it down to five-year-olds. Sure, yeah, I know. PCs. I had my first kind of computer in 81, 82. Sure. Uh, it had kind of uh, basically kind of number of case and that's it of uh, memories and kind of you couldn't basically you couldn't do a lot with it, but sure. it was a really good cool tool. Uh, 10 years later, kind of corporations started getting into it sure. because you didn't really have computers in companies before the early 90s. Sure. And then 10 years after that, yeah, every home had it, kind of multiple of those. Sure. So you see the cycles and I figured, okay, VR, uh, AR and AI is the next big tech cycle. And then, okay, what do you do with that? How do you play that? Kind of, so the easy way out is either to find a company that's kind of already there, that is looking for leadership that you can come in and help them, or start your own company and kind of figure out some kind of technology and do that. Uh, but the challenge in early parts of the cycle is that because there's no demand out there, mm -hmm. uh, you're usually faced with kind of being early is a lot like being wrong. So you can develop really cool technology, but then what do you do with it? 
Absolutely. who's buying it. Yeah, you got to find and somebody. And if you start a one-off company and you build something good and there's no traction in the marketplace, just because there's no marketplace, mm-hmm. even if you've built an amazing technology, and I've seen a lot of companies over the last few years that built really good technologies in what they're trying to do, and then they, they just fail don't take because off. there's nobody's buying it, and then their investors come back and say, "Well, I don't know if you're early or wrong." I, the only thing I can tell you is you haven't sold anything, so I'm not giving you more money, <laughs> and the game's over, right? So, so, so that makes makes sense. So I try to kind of solve that problem. Sure. And also, kind of life, uh, being an entrepreneur multiple times and seeing a lot of them uh, from pretty close up, kind of helping them as advisor, board member, uh, friend, uh, and seeing how they're building their companies and see the challenges of being a startup. Okay. And, and there's a lot of challenges of being a startup, regardless of what industry you're doing. And I, I, I call it, there's, there's, there's four things you need to have to have a successful startup. Uh, the first thing is you need to have, to identify a problem in the world that no one has solved or no one has solved effectively. And that doesn't matter if it's technology or you're opening. Uh, Anything, a mom and pop shop. Yeah, I, I use an example of a bagel store in your neighborhood. Let's say your neighborhood doesn't have a bagel store. Sure. Okay. You so, need to put, yeah, put one so up. So people right now, they'll go to next town over or next neighborhood over and get a bagel. Okay, so it's not like a big world problem that kind of you're gonna be a billionaire doing, but if there is demand in your neighborhood for bagels, people wanna have buy them on the way to work, and there's no one doing it, you find a problem. Yeah. It's not a big problem. You can find bigger problems that could be make you a billionaire. Of course. Uh, but kind of every problem, kind of first thing you need to be an entrepreneur is to find something, whether it's kind of a bagel store or dry cleaning or a kind of super high-end tech company. Anything under the sun. Any, so you need to figure out that. So that's the first thing you do. If you don't have that, there's no startup, right? Sure. You're just opening a business. Yeah. Uh, the next thing you need is to have the ability to solve that problem. So obviously, if it's a dry cleaning business, you need to be able to kind of figure out, okay. Buy machines to clean stuff. Kind of, you need to understand what it takes to do dry cleaning, right? If you and I wanted to open a dry cleaning business, uh, we kind of, yeah, I've used it. I've given shirts and carrying it back. Kind of, it looks like they have all those machines that take the clothes around. But what do we know? I don't know. I don't know how to solve that problem. So even if my neighborhood didn't have a good dry cleaning place, that's probably not where I would go. Bagel place, yeah, I can probably figure out kind of more likely, but I Absolutely. have no, no idea Absolutely. how to make a bagel. I can make an omelet, but uh, <laughs> bagel is probably kind of above my pay grade. Uh, but so you need to figure out kind of to put together the team and sure. it could be kind of other people around you. And that's true again, kind of we're using those kind yeah. of basic examples, but you can go into Standard more advanced business stuff. cycle. Yeah, so you need to have someone that has the ability to solve that problem. So uh-huh. you need to figure out how you're going to solve that problem, kind of opening a bagel store saying, okay, I'm going to take this store right now that's cleared up and open a store there and I'll bring someone that knows how to make bagels and we're good. Problem solved. Uh, kind of in technology, it's kind of more complicated. Kind of you need to get people actually understand kind of how to solve that problem, but you can find people that are creative. So it's solving the problem is kind of knowing, having the tools and ability to do it, but also having the kind of understanding of how you're going to tackle that, especially if the problem is a bigger, more complex problem. Absolutely. So those are the first two problems that every startups need to solve. And those are hard enough. And sometimes they require two different people, someone that has the visionary understanding of, I see a problem and I see a solution. And then someone say, you know what, I can go and fix that. Mm-hmm. So kind of in the case of the kind of someone that can make the bagel and someone that can say, you know what, I kind of, if people would have bagels here, there'll be a good business here because we're just on the way to the train. And right now I see all those people kind of, they come with the bagels in their hands, which means they stopped somewhere on the way to the train. Of Whatever. course. Then you have two other challenges. The next challenge is raising capital for it. So let's say you want to open a bagel store. Of course, you find not everybody has money to open a bagel store. make bagels, great. 
how do you fund this? You need to put a couple hundred thousand dollars to open the store. Yes, you're going to start making kind of a couple thousand dollars extra on top of your labor every month. That kind of ties up to whatever 10% return on that 200,000 investment. That's not a bad business. Sure. But you need 200,000 dollars that you might not have. And if you need two million, that kind of reduces the number of people that have that. So, <laughs> kind of the, the more investment you need, yeah, the, that the pool, that pool of that people you're, shrinks yeah, quickly. You're going to put it in your credit card or kind of figure <laughs> out how to solve that problem. So that's the next piece. And raising capital in any real way usually is not tied to the skill set of either identifying or solving the problem or having the technology needed to do that. And that's one of the challenges of startup. And the fourth one is how do you build it into a business? So not only you figure out you're going to make the bagels and you've got someone who knows how to do it and you figure out how to finance that, now they have to run it as a business so it's profitable, you can pay off that investment and kind of make everybody happy. Sure. So those the are four stuff. different things and most startups when you look at the teams have one and two. They mm-hmm. don't have three and four. So that's one of the issues I found that kind of led me to the concept of Glimpse. The second issue that you find is the time it takes to do three and four takes away from your ability to do one and two. Mm-hmm. And it usually fell, falls on the founders of all those startups, which are the best people to do one and two, but they're spending their time running after lawyers to try and kind of uh, sign NDAs and kind of dealing with accountants and hiring people and all sorts of <laughs> issues, and forget about running after VCs and trying to figure out who's a VC and how to kind of pitch them. <laughs> what they're not doing is actually doing what they wanted to do in the first place, <laughs> which is make bagels. Yeah. Because they're running out constantly kind of dealing with the business side. Yep. Yep. So that's kind of another issue that came out. The third piece is that being an entrepreneur is a very lonely place. You're sitting there by yourself. You need to solve everything. Now, everything. The, the, the good news about entrepreneurs, especially in kind of tech startups, is there's no, this can't be done. I'll sit there all night long, all weekend long, <laughs> and solve it. Sure. And many times you you're have reinventing the wheel. You are kind of building something that someone's already built, but you don't know where it is. And sometimes you'll start learning a new language or figure out kind of searching online and finding someone that has written something and say, oh, well, kind of here's how we would do this. And, and most of the time, it's not like a big IP because you have your IP of what you're trying to build. It's just kind of getting it to work. Yeah, IP is intellectual property, yes. by the way, for any for people that are listening. Yeah. Uh, IPA is a type of beer, by the way. Yes. Nothing to do with intellectual property. <laughs> good beer, by Very the- good beer, my favorite. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, so have you look at all these problems and how do you solve all these in line with that kind of new industry that's emerging? And that's mm-hmm. what we try to do at Glimpse. Sure. So what we do is we find uh, innovative early stage companies that we like where they're going, we like the teams, we like the technology, we like the direction of the business they're doing, and we acquire them for equity in the parent company. So in a sense, it's a roll up uh, of startups. So we buy them, we give them some incentive if they're successful in their own company, mm-hmm. and we give them a value in the parent company, so they're now aligned with everybody else here. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, when they come into Glimpse, they now are owners of everybody else's business as well. So you have all of those entrepreneurs that still have upside in their own company, even though Glimpse owns all of it, and they are owning each other, so they're diversifying themselves, which is one of the issues of being an entrepreneur, especially when yeah, you're successful, not being able to is all of your net worth is now stuck in one business that is uh, very challenging and you're constantly kind of focused on that and you can't really diversify yourself. And then what we do at Glimpse is we bring two more elements to the game. One is uh, our, we take away from the entrepreneurs all the things that they're not good at. So Glimpse entrepreneurs don't need to worry about raising capital. 
we raise it at the parent company Glimpse. They just worry, and they don't need to really operate their companies and deal with all the back office and sure all accounting stuff. and all that. All that because nonsense. all that is done by Glimpse. Sure. So they focus all of their time and efforts on building their business and taking it to market. Love it. That's a great concept. Yeah. Did you think of that yourself? Yeah. That's my. That's that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So that's one benefit, and now you have a lot of value out of that because now those smart entrepreneurs are spending all their time doing what they're good at, which is building their business. Mm -hmm. So they're gonna go to market faster. Now, on the other hand, the company, the, all the kind of backend stuff and the capital raising is done by people that know what they're doing and have economies of scale, so it's more efficient. So Absolutely. you get kind of, you get our companies are more efficient in terms of the cost because they're not wasting time and money uh, on a variety of third-party services they don't know what they need and so on and they're faster to market because the smart entrepreneurs are actually focusing on building their solutions mm. instead of wasting their time running and schmoozing with VCs in the evenings. <laughs> uh, so that's one thing. The other value which in my mind could be even bigger is the network of uh, the ecosystem. Mm. You now have 10 companies that are all in the same space they're not competing with each other because that's how we bring them in. We don't mm. bring two companies that are going after each other. Sure. They uh, are all in the same technology to understand what each water is doing. Uh, they are all owning pieces of each other. So, so they're all incentivized they're to all help each other. incentivized to help each other yeah, out. Yeah, makes, makes perfect logic. And you go out there and you see uh, people sitting together and there are three people from three different teams and you know that they're solving one of the guy's problems and bringing kind of, and everybody knows who's good at what. Mm -hmm. So it's very efficient, kind of, I know kind of, you're the best at this thing. So everybody knows you're the guy and they will come to you whenever they need something. And sometimes you'll just give them advice and sometimes you'll come in and you spend a half an hour in the evening and help them kind of code the thing that they need. And it's kind of all for one and one for all kind of thing and it works really well. Yeah, because if, if one company succeeds, you know, that company is going to grow. It's going to naturally have more resources because of that. And then, you know, if another company needs help or anything like that, you know, they're, they're yeah, all and anyone's together. success is everyone's success because sure. everybody owns a piece of that company. Sure. But everyone, one's failure also brings everybody. Does it, does that? No, because really? if, if someone doesn't succeed, let's happen. Let's see what happens with failure. That's okay. an important, important issue. So if you're a startup on the outside and you fail, mm -hmm. what happens? Everybody from the founder down to the last employee immediately starts looking for a job because they have to pay the bills. Sure. Uh, the investors kind of move on. They kind of pissed off that they lost their money, but they know that there's nothing they can do about it. They move on. The two assets that companies have are their intellectual property, IP, not to be confused with IPA, and, uh, and their people. So what happens? The people immediately go find a job. They're gone. Yes. The IP gets left on people's heads and people's PCs and that it's gone. Nobody using it, and it's dead. It's just died. Sure. What happens if a company fails a glimpse? Let's look at the people. Okay, I'm very so you've curious. Got, you've got this good is a people. very interesting business model. Yeah, you've got good people. Mm -hmm. I've got a lot of, let's say, I have 10 companies, one of them fails. I've got good people from that company that failed. What do I do with them? Distribute them amongst I everybody kind of, else. Everybody else wants uh, them. Everybody knows them. They know what they're good at. I know what they're good at. I obviously like them, otherwise I would have let them go before kind of sure. company failed. And we find oh, good space brilliant. with them, so they they stay. The IP is here. I know what it is. Those people that are kind of somewhere else. So if two years from now it might make sense to get back to it, we can do that. It might make sense that the IP is actually worth something for one of the other companies. Sure, we can do that too. So the IP stays. The people stay. 
and we basically recycle all the assets in a positive way. And that is brilliant. You're a developer, you're working here, kind of if the company fails outside, you're now two months, three months, even if you're a really good developer, finding a job just it takes a while. Just to take, yeah. Here, kind of, I'll come Monday, kind of, kind of this team works for you and this team works for you. So when do you spend time with both of those kind of GMs, figure out kind of sure. who yeah, you want to work with? Yeah, you have all the talent yeah. already. You know, yeah. there's no sense in wasting it. And everybody knows that. And there'll be bidding war on all the talented people. So, oh, this person is free. I'd love to have them. And, you, you, and you're still working mm. for the same company. Sure. You don't have to go basically get even yeah. change your healthcare or whatever. You just show up on Monday and you're kind of now working for another company. So that, that's, that's so pretty So brilliant. Now, where are, are all the companies located here in New York yeah. City or all yeah, around? They're all here. Okay. Down the road, we want to open hubs in other we have sure. places in the U.S. and then eventually other countries and have the same synergy between those companies that we have here. But our initial goal was to build this hub in New York, get to 10 companies, and now we're kind of focusing on pushing all those companies uh, towards kind of uh, being self-sustained. Mm-hmm. So right now, nine out of our 10 companies are generating revenue which for early stage startups, it's pretty good. That's pretty awesome. Good news. That's awesome. That almost never happens. Yeah. And because we focus them on, on doing that. So we were building this as a business rather than let's kind of build some technology and keep raising money. Until that's we figure you, out that, how to that, sell it. Yeah. That's where you fail because when you stop raising money, you're dead. Mm-hmm. I want to build Glimpse and each one of the companies under it to be self-sustained. Very, that's so. Now, what made you decide to think of this business model? Did you grab it? Did you did you it's, find it from somebody else, or no, are you just kind of? It's it's kind of it's all my thoughts and it's different pieces that I've kind of played around with over my career. Okay. And as I was kind of trying to get into uh, this industry, uh, I looked up uh, someone who's one of the leaders in uh, the VR AR industry here in community in, in New York, uh, DJ Smith, who's now my co-founder. Uh-huh. And I reached out to him, and we had lunch. And as I was walking to that lunch, all those pieces fell into place in my head. And when we sat down, I said, well, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? And he was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's give it a shot. And we that started talking so to smart. a variety of entrepreneurs in the ecosystem, which he knew, and uh-huh. uh, sold them on kind of becoming early part of this. We talked to some investors and convinced them that this is something that they should invest in. Uh-huh. And uh, then we started going. That's so smart. That's just, that's absolutely brilliant. And, and you know, uh, being that I own my own business, I, I totally can uh, see where you're coming from. But, like, you know, getting, it's weirdly enough, I've, I've, at least from what I've experienced, is getting everybody on board. Getting them to actually go through with it is the hard part. You, yeah. know, everybody, you know, everybody's like, oh, it's a brilliant idea. You know, I should do that or well, whatever it's, it is. It's called kind of when I talk about startups, I call it the chicken and the egg. Sure. And Glimpse is a startup. What kind comes, of, yeah. So kind of, so chicken and the egg is the biggest challenge for any startup. Mm-hmm. Because once you have a business going, it's a lot easier to sustain it because you've got kind of value. And uh, the chicken and the egg that Glimpse had is I needed investors and I needed companies, right? Sure. So if you're a startup in VR and I come to you and say, here's my concept. Oh, that's pretty interesting. Uh, so here I want to have you join me. Let's discuss what you're worth. Got all the different things we negotiate. So, okay, great. Do you have any money to fund me? Because you're telling me that you're going to, once I'm part of Glimpse, mm-hmm. I'm paying all, you're paying all the expenses, right? Do you have any money? It's like, no, really, can I work you on that? <laughs> You're probably not likely to join me uh-huh. if that's the case, right? Sure. Makes now, obvious sense. Now, we went to investors and showed them VR and AR, and uh-huh. they said, well, do you have any companies, interesting model you have, do you have any companies that are part of your model? Mm. And when I started, I had zero. No. 
Okay, so you want me to give you money on this thing, you have no VR of your own, you don't even have a, a single person that knows how to make this stuff. <laughs> You're just talking about it and you want me to invest in you. It's like, well, we're talking to those companies over there. It's like, okay, that's great. Yeah, but so they're I, not going to come on board if I don't have money. Yeah, so and you're I not had that. Come on board if I have companies. It's kind of funny. So. I had that kind of. I used to kind of live in Connecticut, and okay. then I moved to California. Okay, and it's like going to another country in a sense. So I went to California. It's far enough. Yeah, it's far enough, and I had a uh, a a car with a Connecticut license plate. Mm that I needed to move to California last week. So you'd assume that's a pretty easy concept, right? No, We're in the same yeah, country. well, easy concept, not well, easy. So here's, the, here's an interesting story that talks about the chicken and the egg. So I go to the DMV, and the good news that helps this part of the story is I was a AAA member, and they had their own DMV person that, that's the, the California Department of Motor Vehicles in their office. Okay. So I go to that person, I say, oh, that'd be easier, less line than going into the general DMV. <laughs> and I show him my uh, registration from Connecticut, and I say, and I already kind of converted my driver's license, so I had a California driver's license. I say, here's my driver's license, here's my registration. I'd love to kind of get a California plate. Here's the car, tell me if I need to kind of do some admission <laughs> tests, Yeah, whatever. tell me what I need tell to do. Tell me what I need to do. He said, well, the first thing is you have insurance. I say, yeah, here's my insurance. And now this is Connecticut insurance. You need California insurance. So okay, fair enough. No problem. Yeah, makes, makes sense. The good news is AAA offers insurance. I went to the insurance guy and said, oh, I just moved here from Connecticut, kind of, I need insurance, kind of a AAA member, kind of, kind of, what's the cost of insurance for my car? He said, oh, okay, sure, kind of, we can do this and this and this. And, okay, so uh, do you have a registration for the car? Again, registration? No, that's Connecticut registration. I need California registration. So no, 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 no. The guy there told me that I need to have uh, insurance to get a <laughs> California. So I get back to the other guy and say, look, I just talked to this guy here, Joe over here. He's kind of, he's fine <laughs> giving me insurance, kind of all good. Uh, I can pay for it, no problem. He says he just needs to get this. Can you just give me this paper so I can give him, I'll give him insurance, I'll come get it to you. I said, no, 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 I can't do that. I can't give you any registration until you have insurance. I said, well, okay, kind of, you guys decide. I have no problem doing insurance first. I'm no problem getting a registration first. I need to get both, I get it. You tell me, what do you want me to do? Same chicken and egg problem uh, with <laughs> that I had, right? Uh -huh. So I had all those companies that are saying, oh, we'd love to join your thing if you have money. Mm. And you can fund us because that's what they needed. Yes. And then I had investors said, well, kind of would love to join you and invest in you if you had companies. companies. How do I solve that? <laughs> so that was the first chicken and egg that we had to solve. And I went to the company and said, well, sign up with me if between now and the next month, I don't get the money to fund you. You can start in a month. You can kind of walk away if you someone yeah, gives you money, free, whatever. But I want you to sign that you're here so I can kind of bring you in. And then I went to investors and said, look guys, here's a list of companies without naming them, just by what they do, that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Invest in this. There's no cost associated with it. If we don't get companies, we're not spending, I'm not taking any salary. Sure. So put the money in there if there's no, Companies, there's no spend, mm -hmm. and if there's no spend, and I don't get companies in the next couple of months, I'll give you your money back. Yeah, is that fair? Well, I, yeah, work, I worked they it can't out. lose. Yeah, and so I got them to give the money. I got those companies to sign. I kind of basically kind of did this, and then made the chicken and the egg made the happen. chicken and the egg work. Uh, it's a challenge for every startup. Uh, you can look at any business you want, uh -huh. and look at Facebook, for example. There's nothing unique about Facebook. Nothing. The only thing Facebook has is billions of people that are in Facebook. 
Yes. So if you wanted to build Facebook today, Facebook is worth hundreds of billions of dollars. Yeah. In terms of building everything that they have, and they almost have no IP on any of this stuff, mm-hmm. you can build that for maybe, I don't know, $50 million, $100 million, whatever it takes. That's yeah. not, it's not crazy amount. Yeah, it's not, so yeah. you can build another Facebook for a lot less than what Facebook is values. Mm-hmm. But the problem is if you had that, how would you solve the chicken and the egg, right? Mm. The only reason you're going to Facebook is because all your friends are there. It doesn't matter if it's Facebook or Instagram yes. or Snapchat or whatever. Any certain service, the only reason you're using it is because all your friends are there. Or all makes, your business, yeah. or if it's a business makes total thing, sense. if everybody's there. If, you, if, if nobody was on LinkedIn, why would you go there? No, you you're, go, you're, you're, yeah, you go there because everybody's there. That's, that's the only reason. This, this is the only reason why get, people have it right now. Yeah, but you have to start somewhere, right? Yep. So how do you get the first person to join LinkedIn? Mm-hmm. And Facebook was kind of what the reason they were successful. They started really smart. They solved the chicken and the egg, one of the best ex- examples. What did they do? You they remember how Facebook co- started? They, it was uh, them at Harvard College, and it was only available to college kids. Well, initially, that's th- four steps down. Initially, it was just Harvard. And that just and select group in, in the Harvard. Okay. And they basically had everybody's kind of, so they, they created, once you, to solve the chicken and the egg problem is you have to find a really small chicken or a really small egg. Mm-hmm. And then you can basically kind of create it together. And say, okay, kind of, if I create a small enough something that works, mm-hmm. and it started with that group in Harvard, and it worked for them because it's very easy for them to get kind of, if everybody gets 10 friends, now we've got 100 of us. There's enough scale that for us, for this, it's not a huge business. Yeah. But it's fun for us. We can get and you're not pictures launching of, it globally. You're launching yeah, it at Harvard. And, and so you just started in Harvard and then expanded from that small group in Harvard to the whole of Harvard mm-hmm. because there's synergies between them. So if everybody's in just this kind of year or this program, now they're friends in other stuff. And then say, okay, from Harvard, we're just going to expand it to a couple of Ivy schools. Sure. Because some of our friends have people from kind of high school that went to there and yeah, so you want to keep in touch. You, it, so you basically kind of had enough. So and then every person in Harvard brought in a couple of their friends from Yale or MIT or whatever and brought them in mm-hmm. and said, okay, now you started building that. Now, once you built those hubs, all those people at Yale now can expand to all their friends there that don't know any of the guys in Harvard, potentially, but might want to know them. Mm-hmm. And then as you build those scopes and you do it kind of slowly and you create that sense of small community that eventually opens up. And then as you get more people, they'll bring, and you almost have people banging on your door trying to get in. Sure, eventually, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that, that worked. You have to find something that you can kind of, you can't boil the ocean, kind mm-hmm. of, but you can boil a glass of water. Sure. So if you build a systematic yeah, way Facebook of doing that. Yeah, was only 18 and older for yeah. the longest time. Yeah, and, and uh, kind of all the kids used to kind of fake their age. And, yeah. And some of them it's, are still, kind of my kids are still stuck with that. Yep. Kind of at some point they allow them, because initially they wouldn't allow you to change it. Yep. So they're yeah. all, so some, they're all, they're all 25 and 64 years old. When you're 12 and you're basically kind of basically 19 and all your friends know that kind of, yeah, everybody's 19. That's cool. But when you're kind of 19 and you're suddenly 27 and your employer's looking at this and trying to figure out what the heck happened to you after college, uh, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. What happened? Yeah. Your resume says you just graduated, yet you're kind of, I looked at your Facebook and it says you're 29. Kind of, what the heck's going on with you? Uh-huh. Oh my goodness! Yeah, so it kind of it's kind of funny how those things work. That is, that is, uh, the, the tech space. The tech space is very weird because, um, you know, like you said, it, it's the chicken or the egg, and it's the same thing with with consumers, right? You know, we, we we had the cell phone, okay? So you know, people people would walk around with these these bricks, you know, briefcases originally, and then and then these massive bricks, and and things get faster and and more adopted. 
Uh, but, I, but the one thing I love about the you know technology is it has this crazy um, you know upward trend always. So you know it's always the early adopters, and and what's the early adopters take on? Okay, great, that brings in more money, and then and then you know as time goes on, then you can then you could say okay, the next iteration's coming out. Well, now we're going to make our things better, you know, and and then okay, great. So now now all those people bought the new stuff, and then more people bought into it, and then more people buy into it. And you do if you try to do the whole thing. So if you started the cell phones in 1983, and you say okay, I'm going to have this device that you can sit and do video calls kind of when you're on the beach and sure. anybody, it's like people say you're insane yeah so what they did when Motorola started with the brick phone mm-hmm. they tried to solve a specific problem I say okay we've got this technology and that technology existed from the 60s so the cell technology actually was invented in the 60s but nobody could figure out how to commercialize it in mm-hmm. a way that put it in a size that would make sense for some use case so sure. obviously they weren't thinking okay about five-year-olds kind of basically kind of uh, sending kind of uh, drawings oh. of uh, unicorns to each other. Yes. But they said, okay, can let's figure out something that someone is willing to pay a lot of money mm-hmm. for that early use case. Sure. And that we can solve their problem. So executives and uh, that are commuting home from the office, mm-hmm. they have this hour that is kind of dead. Mm-hmm. That is usually, especially if they want to get home for dinner because they have families, sure. is still work hours, especially kind of if you're in the East Coast and you're working with people that are on the West Coast. Sure. So you've got the use case that kind of a CEO would say, you know what, it's worth me paying something that I have this thing. So what mm-hmm. were the limitations? Limitation was battery life. Mm-hmm. I used one of these in the, uh, actually 1990, I had one of those big phones. Okay. And they're, <laughs> Talk time was less than five minutes if it's not connected to a car, which makes it really useless in a variety of ways since you couldn't do anything except yeah. talk. And even if you didn't talk, within like an hour, if you just hadn't plugged it, it died. So battery life was a big issue, sure. but in the car, that's not a problem. Uh-huh. So if you have a use case of a CEO driving home, it's connected to their car, so it's charged, so it's working. Sure. Uh, you actually know where they're driving. So kind of people are commuting from New York, they're going to New Jersey or New Long Island or Connecticut. Sure. They're going up the kind of FDR and the uh, the West Side Highway, and then kind of you can kind of so you can build the network because that's the other issue. Mm-hmm. They're not going to Kansas driving in the wilds. Kind of yeah, focus yeah, right they're not going on, into the middle of on nowhere. New York CEOs, LA CEOs, Chicago CEOs and so on, and we know where they're going. We know where they're living. We know what highways they're taking, so we can put towers in that highway. Mm-hmm. We can have them solved. So they're solved, all, so you look at all the problems and say, okay, because if, you, if I told you kind of, here's all the patents for cell phones, mm-hmm. go make a business out of it in 1983. How would you even start? Oh my God. You have no network. The phones kind of basically, kind of the charge is yeah, they suck. Yeah. and they're big. So nobody's going to carry them in their phone and walk around the street with them because they're big. Too cumbersome. Where do you put them? So those are the problems that the technology had. So someone had to come back and say, okay, what is the use case of someone, and it's pretty expensive. Mm -hmm. That's because it's just starting out. So what is the use case that someone will pay a lot of money and still get value out of it? Mm-hmm. And someone that can afford to pay a lot of money, if you're going after kind of six-year-olds, they can't usually pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not worth a lot of money for their parents to have them <laughs> that kind of thing, right? And they, they wouldn't want to deal with it. So that's kind of what they did. They found this use case of executives that are driving home. So the phone is in the car, it's plugged in. The network's Brilliant. pretty near because they know where, where they're going. Yep. And, and the size is not relevant because it's stuck in their car. So it just sits there and they just type and they're, everything's good. Yep. Okay, so now you have that and it's working. Now you build that network. And then the question is, how do you expand that network? And you look at phones, it's a great example of how the technology evolved to reduce size, increase battery power, 
over time, people invested more in networks because you had kind of obviously CEOs in that wanted to drive from New York to Philadelphia, and they wanted to have that. So why not kind of let's sure they're spending money by the minute. If there's no reception on the 95 going from New they're York to Philadelphia, they're not going to spend their money. Yep. You have an incentive now. You've got scale. You've got 2,000 CEOs. Some of them go down to Philadelphia or they go down to the shore and they want to have calls while they're doing that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Let's kind of build that, and then they kind of build the network. You see how the network is built. If you look at a map of the network. Even 15 years ago, you can see the highways. Because oh yeah, oh right yeah. Now, yeah. kind of, you look at Verizon thing, and it's the whole country is red. Yeah. <laughs> Even though, kind of going back to Finland, Finland reception, you go in the boonies. Uh-huh. You're in a place where kind of rather 100 mile radius, there's 10,000 people maybe, uh-huh. and you've got strong reception and data. You go upstate New York, nothing. You get nothing. Yeah. Kind of, we, we as a country, our infrastructure sucks. Yes. Well, uh, for every, it's yeah. not just cell phone service. Yeah, no, you, yeah, but you go kind of in Finland, middle of nowhere. You go on a 10-mile hike, you see no person, yet your phone is constantly on. Go on a hike here, just go kind of <laughs> go, go 45 minutes from New York and go on a hike and see if your phone still works. Yes, it's it's yeah uh, bad. But that's how they built that. So they, <laughs> they built the service, and as they had more service and the phones, once the phones started getting smaller, mm-hmm. now you have something you can put in your pocket or women can put in their purse, now you have a lot more people that are willing to carry that. Yeah. Because before that, it's like... It was too big. Yeah, too cumbersome. Can, yeah. You can do anything with it. Once you do that and you had the network, then you started figuring out, okay, what else would people want to have on the device? And then data and uh, BlackBerry uh, really pushed that yep. to the next level. I just really finished the book about the kind of uh, the history of uh, BlackBerry, the RIM. Oh, really? Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty interesting story how they kind of, they, 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 they just kind of got that in the right time. Mm-hmm and build on it and then how they missed the kind of the change sure uh, from blackberry to smartphone and how basically they kind of they build it and they lost it uh look you know if you can capture that little slice of time yeah well that could pay people's bills for lifetimes and blackberry is still running on fumes from that it's still a company kind of (laughs) i I know uh, it it blows my mind yeah uh, because they at some point they had billions of cash in their accounts which gives you a lot of time to make a lot of mistakes Fair enough. That's a good life. Um, no, it's it's crazy, and and now you know now you look at it, and and it's funny because you know you get together with people, and you, you know it's like you look at it, and you can have five or six people sitting you know at a desk you know in, in a room, and there's literally five or ten thousand dollars worth of cell phones sitting on the table in the room, you know, and 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 the craziest part is it's it's the size of a couple decks of cards, yeah. and that's it. But it can do anything. If you told someone 20 years ago that your phone could do anything, and not only could do anything, kind of the other thing that eventually changes content. Mm-hmm. Growing up, you kind of getting content, forget about paying for it, mm-hmm. it was hard to do. Kind of, if you want to get a music, you have to go to a record store. Yep. And you couldn't try it out unless you put a physical record in there, unless your friend had it or you listened to it in the radio. Yep. And listen to the music. And now you've got Spotify or Apple Music or whatever you use. There's so and many. And you've got anything that it's just, it's amazing anything. how the library is now all right anything there. kind of from people you've never heard of. And someone says, well, kind of so-and-so is doing it and their music is there. Any country music, it's there. Everything is in there. Same with books. Every book you want to read, you have to go to Barnes & Noble or Borders or whatever and go find that book mm-hmm. if they had it. And if it's a rare book, good luck with that one. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, well, this is other store, and then you had all those people that will ship you rare books that nobody can. No, all the bo- everything is available. Everything. Any movie, any TV show, 
anything you want. It's all there. Kind of, we're bombarded by any content. Anything you want. Anything. And it's all coming on your phone, and you can sit kind of on a Anywhere. mountain in Finland and kind of read any book that you just felt like reading, sure. or listen to any music, or see. Watch any Netflix if yeah. you want. Yeah, you it know? all works. It's uh, it's uh, it's kind of kind of crazy. Um, the the one thing that I love about it, and and it, so kind of going back to the technology curve, you know, because it starts out and it just slowly, 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 and then it just escalates through the roof. Is you know now it's instantaneous communication, right? It's instantaneous note taking. It's instantaneous everything. So that's just propelling everything forward so much faster. You know, it's not like oh, you know, I got to wait on these documents. Sent the documents. You know, they're there in, in, in seconds, if not faster, and that person could, could analyze the documents and send back feedback, and, you know, almost immediately. They just got to digest it and, and send it back. Yeah. You know, it accelerates everything, and, and people don't understand that. You know, they're like, well, why aren't we on Mars? Well, technology hasn't gotten there yet. There hasn't been a big enough need that somebody's sitting, you know, in a, in a room building, building well, stuff. You have, you have to have innovators that are willing to, ins- to spend money to get there. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like landing on the moon, was the government. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's kind of investors that are kind of seeing an opportunity and they're willing to invest in it to grab that piece of land. Sure, uh, and that's always been the case. And kind of right now, you look at kind of uh, some of the kind of uh, the richest people in the world, kind of like Bezos, like Branson, and yep. they're kind of this. They're spending a lot of money with a mission of getting there, getting and they will succeed yeah. because they're sure. kind of. Smart people with money usually kind of get somewhere. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, look, it, it, it's so true. You know, it's it's you know, it's it's the uh, the the race to space by the billionaires in the in the world, and and you know, who's going to get to space first? And and the craziest part is, you know, sitting here thinking about it is like, you know, what's what's next? What's going to come? You know, okay, so we get to space. Well, then what? You know, are we going to do space travel? What planet are we going to? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and but kind of, you need to get get there first. Kind of. yes. You say, look, we're going to conquer the universe. Sure. You never get there. Sure. If we want to get an ability to get kind of people cost effectively in the scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Not something you and I can afford, but something that there's some people, people can, the yeah. can afford and not even kind of sweat on it mm-hmm. into space and back down to earth. Okay, you got start. Now it's that, that's... We're not far off. We're not far off. We're a couple years away. SpaceX, SpaceX yeah, is they're throwing there. stuff in the city. I mean, in the uh, yeah. in the sky all the time. And once you get there, that's the equivalent of the CEOs with their Motorola phones. Now, mm. now every guy kind of in India or Africa or has a phone. Yep. When you kind of Motorola started with those phones, kind of nobody was thinking, okay, let's kind of we have to have something that everyone in the world will have. Let's sure. build a scale. If you do the same thing with space travel, at some point it will be something that anyone, kind of middle class or kind of even less, can can afford sure. if they wanted to. Sure. Just like flying used to be something that only rich people could fly. Now you've got scale and anyone can fly anywhere kind for, of for forty nine dollars or southwest on a deal, right? So you can get on a plane cheaper than that now. You yeah. can get Frontier for like fifteen bucks, you yeah. can go anywhere. That, that's, yeah, so that, that's it's crazy. Yeah, so so you've got that game that scale gives you. But if mm-hmm. someone wanted to open a frontier business saying, We're gonna open this thing and we're gonna fly people for fifty dollars, like, well kind of how do you even justify getting one plane? It just doesn't work. But no. then you've got the scale now it and works. you're kind of on the margin, just kind of you can get people for that cost. Sure. Uh, and space travel will be the same. And then you figure out, okay, what do you want to do? Do we want to build kind of something on, on Mars or on the moon? And what does it mean? 
but you have to take it one step at a time. If you go too far, you never get anywhere. You build sure. that. Say, okay, let's just get someone to go up into space, do a couple loops and land back and make Somebody it will buy something it. that someone can spend half a million dollars. Yeah, half a million dollars for you and me is a lot of money. For some of those guys, it's just like us going for pizza. Sure. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. Can, it's nothing. They, they can afford that. Yep. So they'll do that. They will fund. They'll use that money to fund doing more. And at some point, it will be ten thousand dollars. And that will say, you know what, kind of, you want to go, kind of, on your anniversary, kind of. Let's go check it out. Yeah, yeah, you can afford to do that. Yeah, sure. You have to kind of give in and do that, but it's not kind of crazy. And then as it comes down to two thousand dollars, then kind of more people say, you know what? Sure. Let's let's go out there. So to, so to bring it all back to you, you know, you're working in the VR space. How do you think that that's propelling? So VR, over time, will create a new way of us being somewhere. So right now, in many ways, we're limited to this world and to limitations of going somewhere. You want to go to Finland, you have to get in a plane, pay the money, fly there, spend the time, and then you can be there. You can't go there for three hours. Mm -hmm. VR will allow you to go there for three hours. Uh, you could recreate an experience. And you can recreate anything. And you can create anything. So the future, the 20-year-old vision that is not happening today, if you want it to kind of boil the ocean, it will do it today, is that you will have all these worlds that are, some of them mimicking real worlds, some of them mimicking historical mm -hmm. real worlds. Sure. Some of them are fictional based on things that you and I know, kind of books, movies, whatever. Mm -hmm. And some of them are fictional that never actually materialize in any other thing, but someone created a world with certain rules and certain characters and it just happened. And everyone could go in and experience those words with their friends or family or whatever mm -hmm. for as long as they want and there'll be economics around that. And you'll be able to do it kind of without leaving where you physically are. Sure. That's the long-term vision of where VR is going to be. There, uh, I don't know if you noticed, there was a kid that did an experiment, and he's like, I'm going to live in a v virtual world for one week straight. You know, VR and AR and stuff like that. So every morning he woke up, he put, you know, his phone in there or, you know, or an Oculus. You know, if he was on the computer or he was doing something or whatever it was, he, you know, he had the machine and, and put on his headset and everything like that. And uh, it was actually, so it was really cool. He goes, it was, it was an incredible experience. You know, you get to see and do things that, you know, you could never otherwise do because of just the, the human capabilities. Um, but he goes, uh, you know, the coolest part about it was actually taking it off. And um and uh, like ah, oh, it's kind of interesting. Like you know, who wouldn't want to live in this fake world that you could do anything you want, any you know, any time, whatever. And he goes, you don't realize how beautiful the world actually is until you kind of get taken away from it. He goes, the colors, the 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 clarity of everything, and and the smells, and and all that that you really get to enjoy. You know, it's like you you miss when you're in that world. And it was pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's a, it's kind of there's a couple of points for that. One is yes, so right now the virtual world is limited oh, yes. by technology, sure. so kind of the real world still looks better. And it's, it's funny, we have a lot of people that come here, investors, business partners, customers that uh. kind of, we show them VR, and they put the headset on, and it's not only the wow when they put the headset on, yeah. but also the wow when they take it off, uh -huh. because they're so immersed in that virtual world that when they take it off, they're kind of shocked that there's kind of all those people around them looking at them uh -huh. doing all this weird stuff. Uh -huh. When you're in there, you feel like you're by yourself or with the people that are in VR with you. Sure. And you're not paying attention to all the people that are standing watching you do weird things. Yeah, yeah, just 
so it's, 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 it's really funny. The other thing is for us to get to that kind of ultimate uh, goal, you need to kind of say, I think the future of workplace is VR. So there's uh. no reason why I can't recreate this office sure. in VR or that you and I cannot meet in VR and do this. We want to yeah. meet in person. There's a value in meeting in person. Yes. But if I can get a VR experience that will be equivalent to this. Why not? Then you can do it. Because all the people that are here are commuting. Some from Manhattan, some from Long Island, some from kind of Brooklyn, some from New Jersey, some from Connecticut. Sure. But they're all spending a lot of time getting here. Mm -hmm. It's important for them to be here so they can all work together. What if they can work together and get all the benefits of that without commuting? That would be awesome, but it's not there yet. Uh -huh. The test is right now I commute about an hour in each way from New Jersey. Okay. Would I spend 10 hours in a headset every day instead of my two hour commute? Mm -hmm. If the answer is no, and the answer is still no, then I'd rather commute for now, so it means that it's not there yet. Sure. But at some point it will change. Yeah, I was gonna say, at yeah. some point it's gonna cross I, that barrier. For now, I kind of, uh, I've spent a couple hours in VR straight, but kind of more than that, kind of. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about it? Uh, oh, I love VR, I love everything about it. Sure. But after two hours, kind of having kind of the quality of the resolution of the screens today is not such that you can, and the fact that it's not as comfortable in your head, it's super comfortable for half an hour, an hour experience. Yeah. I wouldn't do a lot more than that. Yeah, you don't want to be in talk, there for, for eight, eight to customers, kind of that's kind of what we're, we're telling them is let's find uses right now that would bring people in for half an hour, mm -hmm. for uh, 45 minutes. Yeah. And there's a lot of really good use cases like corporate training. Mm -hmm. How do you train someone to do something? Right sure. Now, you need to create that experience, whatever you're doing, mm -hmm. and have someone next to them that knows what they need to do or that teaches them or that if they know what they need to do, just need to practice. Takes a long that, time. That takes a lot of time and it requires sometimes situation that doesn't exist. How do you train someone in something that you can't recreate? Mm -hmm. That is either dangerous, requires a lot of people mm -hmm. that are acting in that role or requires machines that you don't have a chance to play with. Sure. So if I want to teach you how to change a wheel of a plane, mm -hmm. how do I do that? Right now, you'd yeah. have to sit there and you'd have to bring me out on the tarmac or yeah, whatever it is. Take you to a plane and say, here's the wheel. Sure. Here's your tools. Yep. Here's what kind of, I, I know how to do it, so I'll show you. Sure. Or I can give you a book that you can read about beforehand and see if you figure it out. Uh -huh. And now, give it a try. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have technicians that are specialized in a special type of plane all over the airports in the country, mm -hmm. and there's a new plane coming out, you either need to bring the train to the technician, the plane to the you know, take the technician to... Boeing or Airbus or whatever and into one of their facilities. Yeah. Say, okay, guys, fly here, spend a week here, all the costs. Learn everything. Learn everything and then you come out because you have to be certified. Yeah. Otherwise and then what if that person quits the job? Then you have the new person that goes into it. Yep. In VR, I can recreate that. Mm -hmm. I can create you a plane without the cost of a plane. Sure. It's a one-time cost of building a real good-looking plane. Sure, you got to build the structure inside the virtual that's world. That's manageable and that's kind of, if they have the CAD designs of the plane, I can actually do it relatively costless. In the uh, scheme of things, and then I need to build in the mechanism of what you need to do. Sure. And I can have an expert explain to you what you need to do. Sure. And then you go in there and you can practice wherever you want, as often as you want, with no cost. Yeah. Yeah. You uh, don't. Until you're perfect. And I can actually measure how good you're doing and tell, okay, kind of, you're good. Yeah. You can now yeah. your Because think about it, do it. You know, if, if you're fixing a plane tire, let's just say you're learning how to fix a plane tire, that plane isn't flying yeah. unless you recreated that and tire. It costs a lot of money. Yeah, and as you've noticed, planes when they come in, they turn them around in half an hour. Yeah, They're flying twenty four seven as close as they can to that. Yeah, uh, because every hour of the plane, 
is valued because the, the biggest cost is playing for the plane. Yep. Uh, so, so that's uh, so. So one of our companies does VR training. Mm -hmm. So they will help anyone design anything. If I want to teach you how to work uh, in a front desk in a hotel, mm -hmm. how do I do that? I can put you in there, kind of behind someone, and have you interact with real customers. But then you have no idea what you're doing, and sure. you probably piss them off. Or I can put you in a scenario and have people act like customers, and mm -hmm. that requires all the people to act with you. Sure. And then even when I kind of review you, it's very subjective. Mm -hmm. And what if I, am, I have either positive or negative bias against people based on their identity, their race, their gender, something, whatever. Something, yeah. Either positive or negative. Sometimes you like people like like you, and you kind of you kind of look the other way if they miss something because you kind of, or kind of you bias against someone and it doesn't matter how good they are, you're going to kind of just give it. In VR training, I can actually evaluate using computer vision AI very objectively mm. and give evaluations on who's good and who's not. Sure. And there's a lot of use cases for that. Sure. The, uh, now, what is, what is, I guess, the rollout and stuff like that? Because I know we're coming you know, towards the end of this here. But like, as far as, you know, if, if I said, hey, you know, I need a VR training, you know, what does the process look like to get through that? So we work with customers that will come back and say, okay, what are you training your employees right now? Mm -hmm. And you go through the task and we find ones where kind of for first experience, there'll be a very good impact value kind of return on investment from sure. doing that. And I say, okay, here's how you train those people right now. You're spending a thousand dollars a person to train them. Mm -hmm. And you're training a hundred people, so that's a hundred thousand dollars. What if I can build you a training experience for that same thing for fifty thousand dollars? Sure. And you can train them as often as you want for the next as many. Even years if you, you yeah, even if it's a hundred thousand dollars, you yeah. don't you know? Okay, so anybody that comes in afterwards, you yeah. don't have to keep paying exactly. to retrain. So that's what we're we're trying to find. We're trying uh -huh. to find companies that you have a certain thing you're training at. It's pretty expensive, or sometimes you can't even train us. So how you train on that? Well, we give them a book because we can't recreate the spirits. Sure. So fire drill here in the office. Mm -hmm. Every six months it's New York, they come with the file chip and they start talking about it. Mm -hmm. Have we ever had a real fire drill here? No, we can't. Yeah. Kind of, you can't start a fire in the office and see what I can do, <laughs> right? In VR, I can That's do that. good, I'm glad. Yeah, it's a good thing. <laughs> but, which means when it happens, kind of like, well, what did the guy say? You pull this, to do that, kind of. We've never actually done it. Sure. You can't even pull the, kind of the alarm. Uh, can't have 40, 50 people go in and try and pull the alarm and see what happens. Yeah. The guy says, well, here's the alarm. You pull this one and then you, if there's smoke coming here, you go down here. If not, don't use Sure. That. I put you in this room and I say, okay, here's the scenario kind of, you're sitting in, the, in your desk and you're suddenly in your desk and it looks like your real office uh -huh. and suddenly kind of you see smoke coming. Sure. And then I want to see what happens. How fast do you react? Sure. Are you still, oh, I'm coding and kind of it's like nothing happening. Sure. Oh, this is why I don't care about it. Sure. Or you run and do you run away or do you kind of call the thing or do you sure. call them? Or do you know, say, oh, let's go down the elevator kind of. That's so funny. And I can give you, and you can't recreate that. Yeah. So there's things you can't do in real life. There's things that there's really good ROI because you're saving all the time and money of people and devices. And all of these are really good initial mm -hmm. uh, use cases, but the future is of all tr corporate training mm -hmm. is in uh, VR, mm -hmm. but then it goes to education. Sure. So I can teach you about ancient Rome. So when I was in school, they just talked about it and we had a book. Mm -hmm. Now they've got kind of, uh, they, they'll pull up kind of smart boards on the kind of uh, in the schools and do Absolutely. that. And you see some videos and kind of some kind of, it's It's an alive. experience now. So in a sense, you're bringing 
uh, the world into the classroom. Mm -hmm. VR will take the classroom into the world. Mm. What if I can take all the students and we can go walk in ancient Rome? Why not? I, I bet you they'll know more about it. I know more about Finland now that I've been in Finland mm -hmm. than I could read 10 books on Finland. Sure. It's just kind That's of just how it is. You're yeah. experiencing it and I've experienced it for myself. VR, you're experiencing things for yourself mm -hmm. when you're doing them. So that's, uh, that's the future of education, not just corporate training and e-learning, but education in kind of K-12 schools, in higher education. Mm -hmm. And we're kind of, we have companies that focus on all those things. Sure. Starting to work with early adopters in those institutions, and over time it will become bigger. Gotcha. No, it's. I, I think that's. I think you're. You're absolutely right. I think you might be on something too, because you know, there, it, it's. It's invaluable to be able to take people on experiences, right? You know, it's yeah. just. It's a, like you said. It costs. It's too much time. Too much. Too much money. You know, you want to go to California and see Silicon Valley. Well, that's a whole process. Is process itself. You got to take it off from work. You got to do this. You got to do this. Now you got to buy food, drinks, water, everything like that. You. You know. You, can, you don't have the option of doing it at home. You know, just to see it or whatever it is. It could be. You know, Mount Rushmore. You know. Meanwhile. You know, in in a handful of years, you'll be able to throw on these goggles and feel like you're in the experience. Yeah, and do it with whoever you want to do it. Sure. And you can get to see all this stuff and experience it, and then go back and kind of go back to your life. Sure. So, um, you know, as we wrap this thing up, the what's your thoughts on Hololens, Google Glass, all those kinds of things? What do you think the next? Uh, and and you might yeah, not have yeah, the answer for yeah, it, but what yeah, is the yeah. next big thing? Well, the next you know, big in the thing, VR and AR world. Well, so th those are AR or kind of uh, kind of. MR. So, sure. kind of, so and separating, what is MR? I've never heard of MR. Uh, it's kind of basically kind of, it's tying kind of, so you look at AR and there's two different pieces of it. So Google Glass, for example, is just a heads up display. Mm -hmm. So you have the glasses, yep. you can see information on your eyes as you're looking in the world. Yep. That information is not tied to the world. Sure. It's just basically just like what you see on your phone or what you see on your watch. Sure, it's just over you, your eyes. You, you're over your eyes. That's totally not connected to the world outside of just you seeing it. Sure. As you look at something like a HoloLens, a HoloLens scans the room, understands oh. that there is a table. It doesn't really recognize down the road, it will actually recognize this is a table, but it could recognize sure. that this is a table or that you are who you are. Uh -huh. And then I can place information on the table uh -huh. where in Google Glass I couldn't. I sure. could take a asset and just have it stand here and as I look around, the asset moves with me. Sure. With the HoloLens or with the phones right now, with sure. ARKit and ARCore, I can put it on the table. Uh -huh. So I can see an asset on the table, sure, you can and move it will not go through the table, and, yep. and it, it will be on the table. Yep. The next generation is when I look at you, computer vision will recognize who you are based on pictures of you that exist in, in, in the space, mm -hmm. and will pull up any information I want on you because it knows that you're there. So I can sure. see your name, so I can walk around into a networking meeting, see the people there, sure. and get to know who's there. Kind of, You've probably been to networking meeting Absolutely. where you come in, and you don't know anyone. Sure. And even if you're an open person and you're cool with networking, who do you network with? Yep. And who do you want to network with? Yeah. So, but you know, you have an agenda. Sure. So let's say you come in and you're trying to find interesting people to bring on your podcast. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a hundred people in there. Even the networking event is an hour and a half. How many people can you talk to from the hundred? Yeah. You're going to talk to the right people. 10, 15, if you're Yeah, lucky. but there'll be the first 10 that you run into. Sure. And then you have to try and figure out kind of how to backtrack once <laughs> you realize that you're kind of this person sure. boring and uh, useless. What if I can look around the room uh, and recognize all the people, sure. pull up their LinkedIn profile, see who they are, maybe even pull up some information about what they're interested in networking for. Sure. They also have their agendas. Sure. It's not about Everybody, your agenda. Yeah, everybody's got if, their own agenda. If they're there and there's like very interesting, but they're looking to find a investor, mm -hmm. 
and you just want to interview them, but they're not in the mood of being interviewed. So kind of even if they're really good for you, sure, it's not helping it's not you because be they, they're gonna, yeah. as soon as they see you, it's like, well, kind of you investor, not really okay, kind of great meeting you, sure. So it's not gonna work out. But if you're an investor uh-huh. and they're looking for investment, so you they're looking for companies, but there's other bunch of people, some lawyers, some other investors, kind of sure. you know, someone is like, yeah, I'm an investor too. Okay, kind of we're competing. Sure. Nice to meet you, and let's move on. <laughs> uh, so you've got that. Uh, so the future is, and right now the Hollands, the Hollands could do this today. Mm-hmm. The two limitations of the Hollands right now is the field of view. I don't know if you put one on. Not yet. Very very small. Oh, actually, sorry, I have, but it was very brief. Yeah. So the field of view is very small. So even though I can put things all over the room, I can't see the whole thing, and technology is evolving to expand that. Sure. And it's very bulky. Yes. It's not something I've never seen anyone walk, even though it's wireless. I've I have, I have seen somebody walk. I, I have never seen that. Uh, I saw it at college. I saw a kid walking around school with, with a it. HoloLens? Yeah, with a HoloLens. He, he bought, he spent a stupid amount of money on it and stuff like that. Yeah, it's $3,000. That's uh, And uh, make sure it doesn't run into a pole. And, yeah. Uh, so, so the next thing in... Uh, AR is to get this into glasses the size of my glasses sure. that will actually see all around you. Good. And now you can do a lot of things with it. And the sure. other thing is you need network because the network right now can't support that. So let's sure. say we had this working and sure. we walked around the street and I could put billboards on the buildings and kind of identify the people walking sure. down the street. More ad space. Well, kind of, but with 4G, it won't work. Yeah. You'll it, have you need crazy. You need crazy. 5G. Yeah. So we're talking, kind of Verizon was here a couple of weeks ago and they presented 5G because they understand that 5G is going to drive. Sure. So this industry and 5G are going hand in hand. Interesting. So as 5G is coming, then you can throw tons of information sure. to everybody and it works. And sure. that's the driver, the big driver from 5G volume because sure. 4G works fine for all we're doing right now. Sure. We can download stuff, we can watch videos. But 5G is going to be so much faster. Music, uh, yeah. But, so but, much uh, faster, yeah. A movie is the same speed. kind of. At this point, I can go right now get Netflix on my cell phone and it works just fine. Sure. So, so getting more speed doesn't help me. Mm-hmm. It will help me when I need to throw tons of really high-end 3D assets all over the world to a bunch of people walking around. That's why you need 5G. Sure. Interesting. I love it. I love it. Um, look, I know you got to go. Yeah. So uh, tell people how they can find you, all that kind of information so, as, as we wrap uh, this thing up. The best way to find me is kind of email. Kind of uh, Our website is theglimpsegroup.com and I am Liron, L-Y-R-O-N, at theglimpsegroup.com. I love it. love to talk to people that are passionate about this uh, technology. They want to try it out for their business. They want to work in it. They want to innovate in it, be entrepreneur, whatever they are. Sure. Uh, reach out, and I'm really into networking, so uh, happy to meet people that are here in New York and uh, want to hang out. I love it. I love it. Ron, I mean, uh, Leron, thank you very much for your time. Well, I appreciate it. Enjoy and our conversation. And, uh, thanks, thanks. Thanks. I'm looking for forward to doing it again. Great. Take care. Alrighty, guys, and that is it. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode, just like you guys have been for multiple other episodes. But I really do appreciate it. You guys have not let me down in any little part of this. Uh, you guys have stuck by my side. I can't even believe you guys are still coming back after a month of me being vacant. I honestly thought I was going to release another episode, and it was going to be a ghost town. Uh, hugely thank you, hugely appreciative of my dedicated supporters. You guys have no idea what it means to me. And that's really it, guys. You guys want to follow me personally, Harrison underscore Baron on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. Um, and then Brutally Honest Podcast for everything else. You can go support it on Patreon. You can go check it out on uh, Instagram, online, Facebook, the whole nine. 
And that's pretty much it, guys. I'll see you guys on the next episode. I hope you guys had as much fun on this as I did. Lots of new changes are coming to the show and stuff like that, so I'm super excited to bring that over to you guys in the near future. But until then, I'll see you guys later.